Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What do the Celtics and Danny Ainge have up their sleeve? Can the Sixers turn their fortunes around this year? How does Paul George affect the entire landscape of the NBA? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast slash Periscope Live show. As always, I'm joined by Coach Dave Dufour. And Dave, uh, I think we got a whole lot of things to discuss tonight, strangely enough. Yeah, you know, the, I was saying earlier today, the NBA has now become a 12-month league. You know, think about a week after the Super Bowl was over. Did you hear anything about football? I think the big story out of the NFL was uh, Tom Brady's jersey was missing. Uh-oh. Right? And what do we have? We've got Paul George saying he's not going to re-sign in Indiana. And then we've got the big Celtics uh, Sixers trade. And then the draft is a mere, I mean, we're recording this Sunday night, a mere four days away. Yeah, and uh, what a nice Father's Day gift uh, for me and all the fathers out there. Uh, Happy Father's Day. Um, And I'm not even sure. I guess we should just jump right in with, uh, well, let's go in order. So it sounds like, although I don't think it's quite official, but it sounds like the Celtics and the Sixers are going to make a trade to swap those picks. And I suppose, you know, people wanted to give Sam Hinkie a lot of credit because of the assets that he had accumulated all this time. And I think what, just so people are clear, they would not have had the third pick had they not done a pick swap with the Kings. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, yes. I think so. Yes. So, so, and, think and so. as far as I understand, that's true. So they would have had a lower pick. It's still a right. good one, but not as yeah. high as third. So right. I guess the, the connection here is, is that uh, that's the, his groundwork was laid uh, to do this. Um, now, I guess the real question is, why did they want to move up? And I suppose it's because they really must like Markel Fultz. I think that's pretty clear, too. Well, and I got to be honest with you. I finally have had time to watch the tape. Mm-hmm. I I really like Markel Fultz. I think Markel Fultz is going to score 20 a game. Maybe not his rookie year. I mean, I think rookie year, who knows? But um, he just – he's a scorer. That guy can put the ball in the bucket – and, uh, yeah, I think he, he looks like a multiple-time All-Star. I mean, I like Markel Fultz, too. I don't know if this is Danny Ainge's best decision. Oh, now, okay, because there's so many things going on here because we, we can talk about Fultz for a little bit longer before we get into Danny Ainge because I agree. I did a breakdown of him months ago at this point. I have to even rack my brains to picture everything we talked about. But, I mean, he definitely is one of the, the more polished guards I've seen in a long time, especially coming in as a freshman. Um, and, you know, there, there are some weird question marks in theory in terms of, well, if he was really that legitimately good, then why was his team so bad? Um, and I think that that also kind of speaks to the notion of a freshman. You know, a freshman, they come in and they have ability, but they don't have the kind of impact or the wins that like maybe upperclassmen do in a weird sort of abstract way. But 
Um, there's no question the guy, and I think the most impressive thing to me when, I, when we talk about him is his wingspan because he's about 6'4", but I think he's got like a 6'10 or 6'11 wingspan, something like that. Yeah, 6'10 is, is the measurements that, that we've got um, from Draft Express or wherever. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he really puts the ball in the basket. I think that that's just it's a skill that it, we have seen is just super valuable. He shoots a nice three ball. He can operate in the pick and roll. He seems to be a good enough passer. Um, and, and I think for the Sixers, he could be exactly what they've needed this whole time, kind of a, a lead a lead guard who can go out and get you a bucket when you need it. And, I mean, can you imagine the Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid pick and roll? That's an unstoppable pick and roll. They're, what they need to do now is they need to fill out the rest of the starting lineup with shooters. So, like, when you have Covington at the three and Sarge at the four and, you know, two guard X that can shoot, that's a, that's a pretty formidable lineup. That's possibly – a lower playoff seed in the East yeah. this year. Yeah, no, I, I, I sent you that DM earlier today where they could get like fifth. Um, now, let's go through this because I'm actually going to do a video on this tomorrow. And so this will help me get my, my thoughts in order a little bit. You guys can all be part of the, pro- the process of, uh, of me making this video uh, on the process. So, okay, we know that they want to play um, Simmons like, you know, as a lead guard kind of a guy. And we also know Fultz is kind of that same position. So, in theory, with the kind of you know interchangeable positions that they do with their motion offense, um, they could play together. They can take turns. They can each sort of share the ball to some degree. Uh, that could work. Uh, but you have a deficit at least on the shooting side because it seems pretty clear to me that Simmons is not going to be a shooter, um, at least not right off the bat. So now we talk. Uh, okay, Embiid. Embiid can shoot the three ball. He can stretch the floor. He can also roll and post up and do everything. He's a Hall of Famer if he continues to stay healthy in my mind. So you have those three. Now we talk about Saritz. Now Saritz can stroke it a little bit, right? I have to check his numbers real quick, but I feel like he didn't do great from three last year. Is they weren't right? amazing. No, his numbers weren't amazing. But but, but, he, but yeah. from what I've seen, he's got a better shot. Okay. Like, he could be a guy that, you know, once he gets a little bit more used to the speed, like, and, and, and he started to get that, actually, toward the end of the year. We saw him get more confidence. He should be able to shoot better. Yeah, he shot 31% of four threes a game. So that needs to improve. And um, so now you have those four guys, let's pretend there. So what's the fifth guard or the fifth player we're looking at here? Well, I think this is where, you know, their free agency is going to be so exciting, you know, um, I mean, Gerald Henderson, I don't know if he's going to opt in or not. Or wait, is that a team option? I don't have the, the cap sheet in front of me. Um, but I don't know if Gerald Henderson's coming back. Um, they, you know, they're in position where they've got a lot of cap space, too. I, I expect them to make a run at a guy like Patty Mills. Uh, and with Fultz, because of his size, you could actually have a smaller two like Patty Mills because Fultz can guard one or two. So being six five with that wingspan, I, I think that you can have you can have faults kind of guard the off ball guy. Um, so I would look at uh, Patty Mills, Ian Clark, uh, some of these va- like maybe sure. a little bit more value guys because there aren't there aren't any elite shooting guards out on the market that I know of. Um, but you know some guys under the radar guys that may be an option might be Kyle Korver. You know like. Could they throw enough money at Kyle Korver that he comes over and then you've got Kyle Korver, you know, either coming off the bench or starting and then you slide Covington down to the two and then you've got this really huge 
lineup that's really switchy and athletic. I, I don't know. I mean, they've got options, which is which is kind of amazing for the Sixers. Yeah, and Covington, I like. I think that he has to be able to play some defense. Uh, I'm checking really quickly because I feel like he did stroke it a little bit from three too. He had the, he has that ability. Yeah, uh, not really. 33% last year on a lot of threes. 35 the year before. So he actually did shoot it better earlier in his career. Um, well, I, you know, I think that some of these guys, it's it's hard to it's hard to judge because when you don't have other shooters around you, yeah. it's really tough to get off open shots. But having great shooters around you is a lot like having the best tasting and freshest ingredients in your kitchen. And running your offense is like cooking them up into a great meal. Something you can do with our friends over at Blue Apron. A really great service that delivers all the ingredients you need to make a delicious gourmet meal. It was really cool to open the box and find all this fresh food clearly marked and really easy to follow directions. My daughter and I had the best time making shrimp and shiitake mushroom dumplings one night and seared chicken with squash and garlic rice the next. It was great that they included the tiny bottle of hoisin sauce with the exact amount you needed. The food itself is fantastic, and I certainly impressed my wife with the seared salmon with glazed carrots and saffron yogurt sauce. Nothing takes more than 40 minutes to make, so fire up my podcast while you cook and get ready to impress your girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other, or family members who will be sure to kiss the cook after tasting a Blue Apron meal prepared by you. Get your first three meals completely free by going to blueapron.com slash coachnick to dive into a world of easy, fresh, gourmet meals that come right to your door. I know I'm in. And then also, you're in the middle of this like tanking mode, right? It's just like it's distracting. It's difficult. You're losing a lot. I get it. Uh, you're not as competitive as you want to be. Joel Embiid is in and out of the lineup. That would really significantly help three-point shooters when he is down there because he can post up and uh, you know, take a lot of attention on, off of people uh, for open shots. So, we, I mean, we have a nice little team. And, by the way, I love all the recommendations as far as, you know, bringing in a guy like um, Ian Clark, uh, who's going to get more playing time and an increased role would be a really good sharpshooter for them. Uh, you know, I, I, Patty Mills, is just, it's hard to believe that he would leave, um, you know, to go there. Now, the other thing you mentioned as far as Cal Corver is interesting because, you know, is he going to go from a team that's pretty much – you know, the best odds of any Eastern Conference team to make the finals. Uh, is he going to leave that to go to the Sixers? I, I don't know. And to return to the Sixers? I don't know. I mean, if the money is right. You, you know, so this this is the thing. I mean, uh, someone just mentioned J.J. Redick in, in the Periscope. And, and I think J.J. Redick actually could be a great guy for them to try to sign. You know, they could probably give J.J. Redick something close to the max. And it doesn't hurt them at all. Right. Um, so, you know, that's that's an option. Uh, now, does J.J. Reddick go from a, you know, a contender, at least uh, quote unquote contender in the Clippers and, and go to a team like the Sixers? I don't know. Um, but someone in of that ilk would be kind of amazing. Well, here's a funny thing, because we've talked about J.J. Reddick in the past and we've seen sort of the numbers that seem to indicate that, like, he is a really important piece of the Clippers. When he's out there, they're better. The offense works better. Um, I, I don't know, though. I, there's something with, about him. What? With Jerry West, you know, the Clippers to me, with now bringing Jerry West in, we have no idea what they're going to do. Because remember, Jerry West's job for the last six years with the Warriors was to be kind of like not not the voice of reason. He's been the, the dissension voice. He was the one who, you know, was all about we're not trading Clay for, for Kevin Love. It was him and Steve Kerr. And they won, and it turned out pretty well for them. Um, 
but this is not the only thing that he's been kind of the voice of dissension on. And so I wonder if, if Jerry West might be going to the Clippers with an eye toward sort of tearing down this version of the team and trying to build up a new one. That's interesting. Now, but tearing down in this respect is, uh, you know, J.J. Redick is a free agent. So tearing it down would probably mean like just not even offering him or giving him a lowball offer, I guess. Or something I, like that. I, I would think not offering him would be a teardown because, you know, they're at the point like and I love how we got to the Clippers this quickly. But uh, the Clippers are at the point where they basically their only option is to bring everyone back. If they only bring back Chris Paul, that doesn't get it done because they don't have the cap space. So they need to bring back Chris Paul. They need to bring back uh, bring back Blake, and they need to bring back uh, JJ Redick as well. And at that point, they're they're playing with bird rights, so they're able to go over the cap for all of those guys. Ugh. And essentially, what they're doing is they're rolling the dice with what they've been doing. And so the the question becomes, you know, is what we've been doing good enough, or should we just start over? So anyway, but back to the Sixers. The Sixers okay. could use a J.J. Redick type. I, I feel like someone that doesn't need to touch the basketball, that can run off screens, that can hit threes at a super high rate, at a high volume. I think that that's what they need in that two-guard spot. Gerald Henderson's obviously not that guy. So, uh, it, it, you know, I don't know if J.J. Redick would go to the Sixers or not, but he would certainly be an interesting, uh, an interesting option. Now, I will say that Gerald Henderson would be like the ideal like sixth man, like playing that Sean Livingston role. Um, I really like him for that. He can play some defense. He's a little bit tough. He's, he's definitely like an experienced veteran, probably a good locker room guy as far as I could tell. So um, I think that would be a nice role for him. Now, Sergio Rodriguez, is, I think, is still around. He's under contract. No. No, he's oh. on a one-year deal. They only signed a one-year deal. Uh, so he's, is he going back then? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that it was a great experience. Right. No, so you think he's going back to Real Madrid? Um, I don't know if he's going to stay in the league or not. Uh, I, I think he, he proved he could play um, in the NBA. But I guess. I, listen, no one was higher than me on him coming in, and uh, it definitely wasn't anywhere near what I thought it was going to be. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was, it was a weird time for him to come, too, last year. A very sort of weird decision on my part coming into that, knowing that, that what the situation is going to be at least for one more year so. I suppose you never know. They might kind of be looking around, whatever. They don't quite get the Ian Clark, and then they're like, all right, let's bring him back in. Because um, I think that he would be better on a better team, right, when he doesn't have to do as much and he can come off the bench and be that guy. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like He, he would be great in uh, San Antonio. Right. So they'll trade Patty Mills for uh, – I mean, they'll, they'll get Patty Mills and then Sergio goes to San Antonio and then no, they're both better. I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. Um, I think I think Patty Mills is gonna is gonna stick around in San Antonio. Yeah, and it just feels that way. I mean, I don't know, but again, uh, I haven't heard much of anything. But uh, all right, so so we're we're kind of hovering around the notion of Jerry West going to the Clippers too, which we didn't get into, uh, which is a nice segue. We can kind of talk about that for a second because we still get to need to get to Paul Paul George. But uh, and actually, we haven't really gone through what the Celtics are doing, what they have in mind. So let's do that first because I feel like that's directly related to what we're talking about the Sixers, which is. Uh, it seems to me that the, that the Celtics want to—they want to go all in on what they already have in their backcourt, um, and that's why they don't want to take Fultz or Ball. So they want Josh Jackson. Now that's a little bit interesting because Jalen Brown, Josh Jackson—are we getting—is that redundant too? So you know, I actually don't think so. I, I think in this league that we currently have, right, like those those guys that can guard two through four, 
and can switch and can, in theory, shoot threes. I think that that's that's what we want, right? Like, I mean, so I think the the more Jalen Browns and Josh Jacksons you have on your team, the better off you are. And you know, I, I've started digging into tape with with uh, Josh Jackson, and I actually um, I really think that he could work really well alongside Jalen Brown. Um, as a three or a four, I don't think either of them can really play the two just because I think you'll get quicker guards that, that will exploit that matchup. But, uh, yeah, I mean, apparently they like Jackson. He's, he's a Danny Ainge guy, whatever that means. Um, long, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know if that means personality. I don't know what it means, but, uh, yeah, my, I mean, the hope is that he could come in and, you know, do more than Jalen Brown did this year. I mean, I think when you've got this team now, again, this is assuming that they're drafting him to keep. I think that's that's a qualifier that we need to kind of point out because they have been in the Jimmy Butler sweepstakes for a year now. And so it may be that we don't know. They may be negotiating with Chicago and maybe that they're going to get uh, Jackson and ship him to, to Chicago for Jimmy Butler, along with other pieces. Right. Well, um, but, you know, I heard this random rumor, maybe it was a complete rumor, I can't remember where I saw it today on Twitter, that maybe they're going to go for the Anthony Davis sweepstakes and try and put together a package to get him. No, um, that's random. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. I think that's just random. I mean, like, of course, every GM in the league wants to trade for Anthony Davis. I, look, I'm trying to trade for Anthony Davis, and I'm not a GM of a team. <laughs> um, you know, and so, yeah, I, I mean, obviously stockpiling assets, you know, is a great strategy if you're trying to take away a young player from a team that's already not good. But uh, I don't I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, it was intriguing, to say the least, because, you know, they could afford to throw a lot of stuff at, at New Orleans. But I suppose that New Orleans has at least one last go at it with uh, Boogie and him together, which, again, is a strange pairing uh, as it is. But uh, OK. So now Josh Jackson to me, it's funny, when I first started going to take, because I did a video of him a while ago now, um, I was like, if this guy is the third best player in the draft, and this draft isn't as deep as people are saying it was. Well, um, you, you know, the, the other thing is, um, and, and I totally forgot about this, someone in Periscope just pointed this out, they may be going Tatum, which is, that's, now that's a scoring dynamic that they could really use. Okay. So it's not necessarily sold that they're on Jackson. And this is the tough part about us doing this speculation four days ahead of the draft. I mean, obviously, they decided not to go faults, which is why they're trading out of the one spot. And so you could really go anyway, because we don't even know if Jackson's going to be around. The, the Lakers may take Jackson at two. Okay. You know, why? Wait, because that was my whole um, – I had a conspiracy theory where – Somehow the Lakers heard that the Celtics were going to trade the pick because, and they knew that, that, that they wanted Jackson. Um, and so they started floating out this rumor that they don't like ball, you know, and like as if that's going to somehow maybe they – because like then all of a sudden my brain's thinking like is Palenka going to try and trade – and by the way, can you trade a pick twice? Can they trade can – could, could the Celtics now trade that third pick for the second pick? Yes, they could. So, like in my mind, this bizarre thing where they're like, they, they since it's already out there, maybe they maybe they like Jackson. They don't like Ball, and um, they give them the the, uh, the they switch picks, and the Lakers might get an extra pick down the road, and they still get the guy they want, right? If that's the case, uh, it seems a little too convoluted and too crazy, frankly. But um, that's where my mind was going today too, and all this stuff. Um, 
But but either way, I don't know. I, I just feel like they. It just seems like Ball would be the guy they should take. I, I really like him. I really don't understand why. Uh, I mean, I, I understand to some degree this father stuff, but man, the guy the guy is a is a special player. I think he fits with the the current roster, but and this sort of leads to our next topic of conversation, Paul George. Um, you know, does it make sense to have Alonzo Ball if you've got Paul George and? Let's say you're you have an idea that you can get a Russell Westbrook. You know, I mean, if, if you, maybe maybe Sam Presti would be interested in Brandon Ingram and the number two pick for Russell Westbrook. And, you know, now that that's something who would you rather have? Would you rather have Lonzo Ball or would you rather have Russell Westbrook and Paul George? Okay, well, so walk me through this because I got to kind of follow that. Okay. So the Lakers trade Ingram and the number two pick for Russ. This for, is just that, my, this is, again, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall here, but this is my thought is that if I'm Sam Presti and the Lakers came to me with, here's, my, here's your option, number two and Brandon Ingram. Okay. And we may lose Westbrook next summer anyway. Right. Okay. Uh, I would take the deal. Okay. And then how do they get Paul George? Well, Paul George. So Paul George, you might be able to get for something like Randall Clarkson and number twenty-eight. You know, oh, um, wow. right? Because Paul George, uh, through his agent, informed the Indiana Pacers that he would not be returning once he becomes a free agent. Um, I'm assuming that's regardless of whether he qualifies for the the DVPE uh, contract extension, uh, which of course you know would net. Five years, two hundred and seven million, or something like that, which he may not even be eligible for. So, um, basically, he wants out of Indiana. He has said that he wants to go to L.A. to the Lakers, and um, the the assumption is that basically Indiana just lost all their leverage. I tend to disagree with that because I think other teams, the Cavs, the Celtics, the Heat, would be willing to make a trade for Paul George this off season. And then use the year to sell him on re-signing. Yeah, I, I, stranger things have happened, so it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Now that would leave the Lakers with the, with the starting five of you know Paul George, Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell, probably Zubac at center. Mm-hmm. Who's the power forward then? Um, Larry I mean, Nance. Larry Nance. Um, you know, maybe another star that they sign. You know what I mean? Like at that point, once you get two of those guys, I think it's much easier to get the third. Okay. I think, I think when you've got, if you, if you could somehow get Russ and you could somehow get Paul George. Now the Paul George looks really feasible. The Russ seems kind of out of left field. This is just me. Um, you know, I'm kind of extrapolating the, the, the scenario a little bit. Let's say it's not Russell Westbrook and it's, uh, I don't know. Who's another star point guard that could be available? I don't know. Uh, let's say Bledsoe, a good point guard. Okay. Right? So they make a trade for Bledsoe. Um, it's easier to get that third guy once you have those other two. Once you have the, the kind of base piece. And with Russ and Paul George, you're looking at like a fourth or fifth seed, at least, I would think. Um, so – you know, it'd be much easier to get that third guy. I don't know who that third guy would be, though. Right. And then the idea behind, you know, the Oklahoma City motivation, I suppose, is that they're probably they're not going to contend for a title with this team. And pretty much nobody is, except for the Spurs, you know, as long as the Warriors are together for the next two or three years, right? 
So right. you almost think, yeah, like you're going to waste Russell Westbrook's last of his prime, uh, grinding it out for a fourth place finish and a first or second round exit every year. Well, and now I don't know that it's so much that, but but I also think I don't know if Russ is going to stay there. And, you know, Presti's going to want an answer this summer because, I mean, Russ is eligible for that five year extension this summer. And I think if Russ isn't going to sign, um, he'll tell him. And Presti has been, you know, he's been way out, except for Kevin Durant. He's been way out ahead on on trading these guys um, when they're not going to resign me. The Harden deal, obviously being the most obvious. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there, and there's some smoke there, right? Like there's some smoke there. There's some reports and, and stuff like that. And obviously he's, you know, Westbrook's an LA guy. So, uh, if him and Paul George could wind up in, in the Lakers, that to me looks like a faster path to contention for the Lakers than, you know, building these young guys, no matter what magic Johnson says, right? Like, right. Like, throw out anything any front office people say about a guy being untouchable. We know that is total bull. Right. And also Complete. we know that Magic isn't really doing much. It's Palinka who's going to control that stuff. So, you know, whatever he says is sort of like, uh, okay, thanks, Magic. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, uh, and you, another but... thing. And just to throw this out there, because a lot of people have mentioned uh, the mellow, the, the Knicks and the mellow deal, um, and how the Knicks gave up a ton for Mello, um, and it didn't make sense. Now, with Mello, that was different. Um, the Knicks would have had the space to sign Melo. For, for, the, for the Lakers, they actually have to do a little bit to make max uh, cap space to sign Paul George. And if you're trying to bring another star in, it just makes sense to have these guys in already, make the trade for them, have them with their bird rights so that you can sign them and it's essentially free money where you just go over the cap. Um, whereas, right, you know, currently as it stands – we're looking at possibly having to stretch Mozgov and Dang, and right. then that's thirteen million over five years of dead money, and that and that's not a smart way to do it because like there's this there's this myth that you can just get rid of any contract and that just isn't the case anymore. Right. I mean, you're gonna give up assets to get someone to take on Dang or Mozgov. So that's why if you're the Lakers, you were considering, you know, maybe actually trading an asset for Paul George to make sure you get him now because of the bird rights. Those bird rights are so important. That's why okay. they're in there. Right. And, and then you get the head start on recruiting him and making sure he wants to stay. So, you know, uh, I, I hear you. Oh, you know, let's inter interrupt real quickly because Thomas Garvey had an interesting question, which is how come nobody talks about Lowry being a free agent? B because the assumption is that he's going to get, he's going to resign with Toronto. I mean, you know, um, Toronto last year, like w they were very aggressive with DeRozan. I expect them to do the same with Lowry, unless they have really decided to totally tear the whole thing down. In which case, they won't re-sign re Ibaka. Their team will be—I mean, they're going to be a lottery team if they don't re-sign Lowry. I, I just—you know—if I were Lowry, I would—I would—I would say either Casey goes or I go. That, I mean, that's—that's that's would be an interesting power play. I don't feel like Masai Ujiri is the kind of guy that, that would allow a player to dictate that sort of thing to him. So it may be that if that was the thing, uh, they would just let Lowry go. Now, Lowry's another guy who's still interesting for Philly because I think that Fultz and Lowry could actually survive playing next to each other. Lowry's a good enough shooter that he can actually play off the ball some. And same with Fultz. You can kind of get – you know, those two guys might actually be a pretty, pretty damn good backcourt. 
Yeah, I mean, the only reason why I would say that, you know, Fultz could do the two-guard thing for defense is that he has that wingspan because otherwise, because Lowry ain't going to be able to do it. And that's a no. pretty, it's a relatively short backcourt uh, as far as the, just the height goes. So we got to see what's going on with Fultz and whether he can defend because it wasn't great in college and a lot of people are sort of just, you know, casting it off that they were a bad team and it just wasn't motivating or whatever, uh, whatever, however they were being coached to de- play defense. I think but it was a bad know. situation. What? I think it was a bad situation. I guess so, but still, I, I, would, I, I would need to see a lot more as far as defensive stuff goes um, to, to really believe that he can be, be a defender good enough. Uh, although, you know, listen, these, some of these guys who are so good offensively, they get away with not being great on defense either, and it's also the position where you can't stop anybody anyway. But, um, you know, it would help if we could see some of that on the court. Um, so, Mello, is Mello going to Cleveland? You know, that's that's a thing. I mean, I, I guess people people are throwing that out there. Look, if I'm Cleveland, I'm not giving up Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love is a good player. Yeah. He's just I'm not, not the player they need to beat the uh, Warriors. Right. So I'm not just going to give him up. And, and I mean, is Melo better than Kevin Love? To, to like when you're going against the Warriors, I just don't think so. Right. No, uh, I, think, I, I don't think so either. I think that Love did uh, what he needed to do. Although he just, uh, yeah, it wouldn't matter. Melo would not be better at like getting back in transition than Love is. Right. Even though yeah, and Love so, is like hurt, whatever his problem was, and uh, maybe they'll yeah. come out. So yeah, I, I don't see Melo solving any of those problems at all. Uh, and in fact, he's not. I, I don't think he solves anybody's problems at this point. I think we're all too in love with the banana boat, you know, scenario. And, and I think that. I mean, you know, like there, there was a, a report that Chris Paul is going to meet with the Nuggets in free agency. Okay. And so immediately the banana boat chorus starts and it's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe they get mellow traded there and Dwayne Wade can opt out. And then LeBron comes next summer to Denver. Yeah. No. Why? Right. Like, so the whole thing, oops, um, the, uh, the whole thing I think is just, we're all speculating. You and I, and, and we, you know, I think we're probably a little bit more informed than, than most people, but we're even speculating. Right. Right? Like, we're just taking guesses. And, and the same way with the draft. Like, we think Markel Fultz is going to score. Like, we think he's going to be a good scorer. Um, it doesn't mean he's going to. So we're just taking a guess, which is why, like, I love this part, but, man, I'm, I'm already ready for November. I'm ready to see some right. games. Well, I'm ready for Summer League, at least, where we can kind of see right. some of these guys on the court, other pros, to find out. Um, but um, that, that it's all, all good speculation. You know, we don't know if we're under investigation or not, uh, even though we might. it sounds like we are. We might be, or people might be. You know, you never know how we, what we hear in the news these days. So same thing here. Um, well, let's get to some more questions, shall we? Because yeah. I feel like, you know, here we are. Here's our chance to get some questions. You go through um, through the Periscope. I'm going to try and scan through Twitter real quick and see what we can All right. what do. You, what do you have? What's the best scenario for, for Mello? Um, honestly, I think the best scenario for Mello might be like Miami. You know, a team that could use a scorer that's got some young guys around him that are going to play defense. I think, I think Miami could be a good situation for him. I could follow that reasoning, sure. Um, yeah. Someone asked Paul George to Houston. I think Paul George to Houston would be fantastic for everyone. Yeah. Um, the, the issue is, could Houston bring him in without losing too much of what makes their team their team? Okay, well, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, Daryl Morey was quoted as saying, like, they're, they're working on something, it seems like, that's going to actually sure. threaten the Warriors sooner than later. And 
the, the, Paul George would be, would be without question the one thing that they would do because, remember, I think the landscape now is even though you need someone to guard Steph, and they have Beverly to guard Steph, and right. boy, do we deserve a good series of Patrick Beverly up against Steph. Uh, I want to see that for sure again. Um, but, uh, but you need someone to guard KD. You need, you know, and I don't think Ariza is that guy. I don't think Daryl no. Murray thinks that Ariza is that guy. No. Um, now, and so, yeah. it could be interesting if you've got Ariza and Paul George. I mean, to me, like that's the that's the way to go. Like it would be trying to get Ryan Anderson to to Indy. You know, um, not that he's anywhere close to Paul George's caliber as a player, yeah. but it would be something like that. Unless maybe. They're trying to work out a deal where they trade for Paul George and sign Gordon Hayward and sort of stealing that thunder from from the Celtics. Interesting. Who probably I mean, have been thinking about the same but thing. That, yeah, then you end up gutting the entire team, it seems like, because they'd have to give up like Mondrez Harrell. They have to give up uh, everybody, like anybody who has any value. Uh, they probably Hang even on. Capella. But okay. All right. Right? Are, are you, did you, <laughs> but if you give up Montrez Harrell, and you get Gordon Hayward and Paul George. Come on. That's okay. Oh, I know. But I'm just saying, like... And, and, I don't like, think they have guy... to lose Capella. I don't think they have to lose Capella. Yeah. I, I think that they could do it. They they probably would lose Bev, Pat Bev. And I think that's a big loss for them. Right. Um, I, I wonder about Gordon and, I want, and Anderson, right? But I think if you could have Harden, Hayward, and Paul George, that's a pretty good start to being able to compete with the, with the Warriors. I don't know. I, I don't know if they need Hayward. Oh, I mean, no, no. I don't know if they need Hayward. Because, like, think about it. I mean, okay. Is, Hayder, is Hayward an upgrade on Ariza? Uh, no. Hayward would be an upgrade on Beverly in theory, right? Because he'd play alongside in the backcourt, right? Well, right? You, you probably mind. would wind up losing Ariza, too. Yeah. I don't guessing. think you keep Ariza. And I don't think they want Ariza. I think once you get Paul George, you don't need Ariza anyway. I mean, I guess it would be nice to have a guy like Reza coming off the bench as a seventh man or something, but um, I don't know. Um, it's interesting. It certainly is compelling, and I, I think that there's something there that you got to watch out for. Morey will always, you know, seems to pull off something that's going to uh, to uh, to benefit them. But uh, so I, th- I think that's the thing. It's weird that you know Paul Jordan seems to be the guy that's going to shape the landscape for a lot of teams over the next week and over the next several months if, if he doesn't move. Well. And it's funny, you know, you, you say over the next week and it sounds like you you might be like that might be hyperbole. The reality is I think that the Pacers probably need to start getting this done before Thursday. They, they right? said like, they wanted to. Yeah, I think that they really need to 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 get this Paul George stuff situated in the next three days because they they need to go into the draft, hopefully with a top five pick. You know, like if, if I'm them, if I'm losing Paul George, I want. I either want that um, I want that Lakers two pick or I want that Boston three pick or, you know, assuming that trade goes through. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's where I am if I'm Indiana. But at the same time, they did lose a little bit of leverage because everyone knows that Paul George wants to go to L.A. Yeah, but they knew that that anyway. So it was almost like. You know, it was there. Now, let's, let me ask, uh, we have a good question uh, from uh, the Wise Legend One who asks, why isn't anyone talking about Dennis Smith's stock rising this week? And I have to imagine that maybe it was my video that I did on him <laughs> that I released on Friday uh, that, that sparked all this stuff because, yeah, I hadn't heard much about him until now. Um, my thoughts on Dennis Smith, I mean, he's sort of in that um, Steve Francis, maybe Russell Westbrook mold, um, you know, really explosive athlete. Uh, you know, needs, he's not nearly as polished as Fultz. But um, what do you think here? Has he moved up enough? 
Um, well, I love Dennis Smith. I've been a Dennis Smith truther since last wow. year when I when you and I saw him in person in L.A. You know, when we saw him at Adidas Nations. Um, now that he's a full year removed, like from being back from the ACL, I think we're going to see a guy. I mean, he's got Russell Westbrook type athleticism. He's a crazy athlete. He's great in the pick and roll. Um, I don't know how how good his like the situation was at NC State. He didn't really have any good players around him, so it's hard to judge what he did in college, you know, and try to compare that to the NBA. Um, it's I don't know, man. It, it's uh, he's one of my favorite guys. I think he has as good of a shot as being the best guy in this draft as anyone. Well, you know, because I, I I would say that would be Darren Fox and not him. Being the best guy? Yeah. I think De'Aaron Fox has, is that dark horse who could be the best player in this draft. See, I don't think Dennis Smith is a dark horse. I think Dennis Smith, to me, would be like, if, if I named three guys who were probably going to be the best guy in the draft, Dennis Smith is one of them. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I think De'Aaron right. Fox is that guy, one of those guys, too, easily, too, because I feel like he, he's got that athletic ability, too. Although people wanted to sort of downgrade that earlier on Twitter with me uh, earlier today. But, I mean, I don't know. The guy seems really well, he's skinny. fast. He's skinny. And that's the thing is that people keep bringing up the fact that he's skinny. But, um, you yeah. know, it's, it's – KD was skinny know. too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> KD, how many reps could he do at 225? Uh, yeah, he couldn't do a push-up, right? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, we've already got people saying uh, De'Aaron Fox can't shoot. You know what? I, De'Aaron Fox mechanically, like his shot looks good. I don't know why he didn't make them. Um, I, I think you know. he just needs to work with a pro coach who really knows what he's right. doing, which isn't a guarantee. Exactly. But he's, he, he certainly wasn't going to get any help at like Kentucky on his shooting. I, right. I don't think. Uh, well, you and I right. talked about that quite a great. bit. And I think that there's a, there could be a release issue that he could probably fix with a little bit of a finger stuff or here or there. Uh, I think he follows Mike Conley's trajectory, where Conley started out pretty bad from three, and within five years, he's now an elite shooter from three. So that feels like, to me, I know they're both lefties, and that could be the only connection we're making here, but um, there's some similarities there that, that make me feel like that's, it's not going to take too long. Yeah, I mean, look, again, his, ath- his athleticism, his defense, like there's, there's a lot of stuff that that are positives and, and you can be a good NBA player without hitting the three. I mean, DeMar DeRozan, uh, being a prime example. I mean, th- look at, look at Ben Simmons again. Um, Ben Simmons was the number one overall pick and the guy can't shoot at all. I mean, I watched in summer league last year and they treated him like Rajon Rondo. They were laying off of him at the free throw line. So, yep. yeah, it was rough. Well, I got a question on Twitter that we can kind of wind up this show with because it's sort of, uh, you know, free publicity for me. But uh, John Sparks asked, when is your teaching video on the triangle coming out? And I shot a lot of it. I have to finish shooting it. I kind of maybe want to write a book on it as well to sort of be a companion. So that's a little bit on the back burner because I just finished shooting a comprehensive shooting video that Dave actually, Dave was with me while we shot it. Uh, I'm probably like 30% through editing it. I'm going to get a whole lot of it done tomorrow. So I anticipate in the next like, you know, week that my comprehensive shooting video will be available to purchase uh, online through my website or through uh, on my, uh, my YouTube channel. So that's the one I want to actually, you know, pump up because, you know, Dave helped me a little bit on that one to, to make sure it was doing, looking right. And it's actually looking really good as I'm editing through. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do that. And, and we got to, you know, we were at Caltech and uh, it was it was actually a really good time. And um, yeah, I mean, I even got to pick up some new stuff that that uh, I hadn't really seen before. Like you, you pointed out a couple of things. I was like, wow, you know, like and for a guy like I teach people how to shoot 
almost every day. And uh, yeah, I still got to pick up a couple of things. So that was a lot cool. of fun. Yeah. I mean, that, that's clearly the, the, the structure is going to be that way, where as you're watching, progressing through all the different things, there's going to be these little things in here that you can really take and that can help you individually as well. So uh, I'm really excited to release that and get that out there. And it will help a lot of people shooting uh, who don't who might not be shooting as well as they can right now. Um, and that's exciting about that. Uh, we got one last question we want to wrap up with here or, or touch Let's upon. Let's do it. What do we have here? Uh, I don't have anything. I'm and trying to think if we talked about I mean, we talked about everything so far, at least in the news. Uh, we didn't do so. as much of a deep drive in, into the draft. It's such a crapshoot. I'm going to try and do a mock draft video maybe for Tuesday if I can get that out. Um, uh, How sure is Hayward to Boston? I would say not sure at all. Yeah. Uh, I, look, it, if there's one thing that you guys come away from this podcast with, it is right now that that we are experiencing some chaos in the NBA, which is my favorite thing, right? Like I've been rooting for chaos for the draft this whole time because um, we don't know what's going to happen. The Celtic, like we, no one expected the Celtics to trade this pick at all. It came out of nowhere, right? Like, I mean, this is totally news. The, the Paul George stuff we've known about, but the the them making this trade – Boston making this trade completely shakes up the picture of the entire draft to me. Yep. You agree? It does. Uh, well, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of dominoes that could fall, um, and they're all related. That's why it was so easy to go from Matt to Paul George to Melo and anybody else because, well, yeah, they're all scenario. There's a scenario where Lonzo Ball drops to fifth, huh. maybe sixth, you know? There really is because – if 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 what we're hearing, right? So Fultz one, uh, Josh Jackson two to the Lakers. If that's if that's a thing, um, Tatum three, and then at four, I mean the Suns might take Lonzo Ball, but I don't know. I mean I, I've seen that they you know conflicting reports. They're interested in a few guys. Um, then at five you've got the Kings. Who knows what they're doing? Like they love De'Aaron Fox. They like Dennis Smith. They like uh, Lowry Markinen. You know they they like a lot of stuff. And then you have the Magic at six. I don't imagine Lonzo falls past the Magic at six. They love non. They love. Weird point guards in Orlando, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and I, I think the Alfred Payton experience might be over there as well. I don't know. It's got to be know, done. It's, uh, it's, I, I'm fr I'm just, I got frustrated watching, uh, watching him play. I just feel like there's a ceiling there. He's not going to develop. Um, none of the guys in Orlando shoot that well. Um, you know, it's weird. Almost without, as without, if, nah, well, we won't go there. <laughs> we won't go there, but we're on the same page. Yeah, and I love that. Anyhow, I anyway, love that. All right. Well, listen. Fantastic show. Great questions all. Uh, we'll have this, the entire podcast posted live, uh, or sorry, not live, but posted uh, on the iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else tomorrow morning. So um, great stuff. Look, cannot wait. We'll probably have to do an emergency podcast at some point between now and Thursday because, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Live show during the draft. We will be right here on Periscope, YouTube, Facebook Live, maybe even Instagram, uh, doing our live analysis of the draft in the first, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll make it through the whole first round or we'll see how long we go. But um, we'll be ready for you. We have Adam Stanko of the Pac-12 Network as well. He's going to join us for a lot of insight. So do not miss. Let's plug that as hard as we can. Thursday during the draft live show. Join us here, YouTube, anywhere else you find us. And uh, Dave, don't forget, everybody, uh, thanks for coming on the show. And um, don't forget, sports fans and people all breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. Are you in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs>